I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did up there, rabbits. This is more beers. I can't wait. I can't wait. What about Andrew King? Put him in the sack. Semi finals done and dusted. We are getting to the final pointy end of the season, and uh, one man that's made the final of the uh, of the 10k charity league and has pocketed himself a cool $2,500 thanks to a bit of a gentleman's agreement and taking the prize money before the grand final and teamless Tuesday carnage hits is Brew SC. Join me once again, mate. How are we? Wonderful. As you said, I uh, won my head-to-head match to proceed to the grand final. Uh, me and Mr. Supercoach, who is my opponent, uh, we decided that this week upcoming is a bit too chaotic. It's not particularly fair for a long season. Uh, so we had a gentleman's agreement and decided that no matter what happens this week, we will split it 50-50. Top Sport came to the party and has paid out. Cannot complain about that, mate. As I said last week, my classic season uh, is well and truly over, but I also managed to win in the weekly Rubdowns Listener League draft competition. So, uh, nice little chunk of change going there to me. Thankfully, Brian Toto came back, rose from the dead, got me a good score. We got over the line by about 50 points or so, had the VC on Garrick, and that um, that was a real letdown. Then we had to pin all the hopes and dreams on the Cleary, who only was on 36 or something at half time, thanks to that try system on his Leota, which we'll touch on. But uh, yeah, the the second half of the of that Panthers game, I'd never thought I'd be cheering on the Panthers to put a put a score up against the Tigers, but obviously with with it all on the line and Cleary captain, we were we were really really hoping for um, that big late push from the Panthers, mate. We're gonna round up the round just gone. Uh, a lot of teams pushing for the grand final spots in classic. I mean, in an NRL standpoint as well, also pushing for that top eight spot. And one side that really solidified that, and one side that's probably lost touch of that, uh, the Knights and the Titans, mate. 15 to 14. You said to me off camera, you didn't get a chance to watch this game, so I'll have to give you a bit of a rundown. This one was a really scrappy affair. The Knights got the job done. It's been the season, uh, the story of their season, just not really being, I would say, overall deserving winners, but just doing enough to get the job done. And when you're pushing for September 40, that's all you need. Caelan Pong with an 80, finally. Uh, repaid the faith for some owners, and our man David Fafita scored an 85 with a really nice solo try, mate. Um, we touched on him last week. Like, it's if it's going to take a try for him to get 85 as a premium forward, I'm not too sure what his stocks are moving forward in 2022. Oh, you'll you'll take 85 with a try from most players. I guess the issue with him is is you know I think again on the weekend he started off the bench and only played 40 something minutes, and some weeks he looks like he's going to score a try every time he touches the ball and other times it's like he doesn't want to touch the ball. I think that's the issue with Fafita. Yeah, it does It does go sort of in and out of games and, and can uh, be quote-unquote missing. And I guess when he pops up with these plays, 85 is great, but I'm not too sure if the... Because if, like, people have to remember the pricing is generally not done off form. So people are all happy that Nico Hines is going to be dirt cheap next year, but in reality it's done off averages. So you guys like Fafita, Hines, like these are going to be expensive players next year. Um, just based off their form this year, so it's 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 an interesting one to work out that we'll touch on preseason next year if we can sort of fit him in because there's plenty of guys to also have Mitchell Pierce seventy one he had the game winning field goal uh, Philip Sami with a seventy five Tino Fasumalo with a sixty five pretty much all in base that's nice for you I think uh, you own him in classic Frizzell sixty nine as well but apart from that mate sort of a little bit floundering Barnett and Co uh, didn't crack above fifty Jaden Braley back to sort of forty four ish. Uh, the real star of the show would have been Kalen Ponga, considering a lot of people did trade him out um, for, I guess, Tedesco as well. That was a, a popular trading target. So, yeah, the, the Knights to solidify their top eight spot. The Titans will be hanging on to a thread all to play for next week, mate. Uh, the Raiders as well, they're, they're another side that also uh, put towards uh, putting together some form. And the Warriors just couldn't quite hang in there. Wade Egan top scored for them with a 72. Apart from that, no one else really got above 60. 
Uh, for the Raiders, though, Jordan Rappiner, Hudson Young, Charles Nickel Cookstar, Sebastian Chris, like the the outside backs really dominated this, and you would expect so in a in a sixteen to twenty eight scoreline, uh, outside backs doing well. Jordan Rappiner had the kick to win the game, uh, as we know, missed it, but came up trumps with that last play, sort of of the game. What did you make of the of the Raiders' performance? Do we see them potentially causing some kind of upset in in the finals footy? I just I don't see it, unfortunately. Uh, I think it was a. Bit of a tale of both sides. I think the Warriors were a bit off. Canberra did play better, um, and that was nice to see. I still don't think they're on the same level. If if Canberra went on to play a Knights or you know someone in an, in that seven eight type of spot in the in the finals, I don't know who would win. So I don't wouldn't say that they are back. Um, Rappiner looked pretty good at the back. Um, I was quite impressed with his performance, and we know that CNK is a good player. He just doesn't have any you know, doesn't have any meters in the legs this year. So I wasn't surprised by it, but I really thought that the Warriors would have fought a little bit harder than they did in this one. Yeah, I don't think the scoreline depicted the 12-point win. I, I do think the Raiders were, were quite comfortable in winning this. I mean, moving down the list, Reese Wallace, 27, just sort of shut out of this game. Uh, I said on the preview that I thought having Townsend and O'Sullivan in the halves would free him up much more, but it just really stifled their attack. And I think the Raiders did a fantastic job of shutting down the focal point in the attack in Reese Walsh. And Cody Nicarine made three points. It's fallen off a cliff for Cody, hasn't it? Yeah. Ah, oh, Cody, Cody, Cody. So I remember buying Cody at nearly 580k or something like that uh, and selling him the next week. And I just sit there and go, never, ever again. He's never someone I've really looked at, but I really bought the online hype this year. And he's, as you said, he's literally Wally Coyote it off a cliff this year so bad. Yeah, he. Um, I think he was one of the most popular trading targets one week. I th- I, I want to say around eighteen, nineteen, and 15, I, th- I think I think that week he got he got injured, and then came back off the bench. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of coaches sort of held held the faith that he'd come back, but it did didn't happen. And yeah, the Raiders got the win. The Raiders got the job done, and they're pushing for that final spot. I think uh, they have to get the win this week over the Chooks. I think they play. So no better time to play the Chooks than than this week, considering the amount of outs they're going to have. Mate, I'll let you take over this one. I think uh, I think last week you said that the that the, the the bunnies would do the chooks here by at least thirty, and uh, a twelve to fifty four scoreline sort of reflected that performance. Yes, Sydney twelve, South fifty four. Uh, after fifty five minutes, sixty minutes, maybe it was twenty. I think it was twenty four to twelve, and I, the game was going kind of how I expected it to. That South were in control, but the Roosters were hanging on. And then, as is the trend this season, last 20, 25 minutes of games that the more dominant of the two sides really just starts racking up the points. Um, obviously, there was a lot There was a lot in this game. Um, Latrell Mitchell's hit on Joey Manu. Uh, I said it on Twitter over the weekend that I think Latrell Mitchell plays with an intention to hurt people at times. There is playing with aggression and then there's playing with the intent to hurt. And I honestly think at times he intends to hurt people. Uh, which is disappointing. Um, Roosters, uh, they're battered, bruised and broken. They can barely field a side. Um, shout out to, you know, Taukaako for coming back on the field injured to just try and give them the numbers. But you can't have 17 players on the pine, which is the that's the number that they have this week, 17 players unavailable. It's just madness. Um, Latrell as well, going back to him, he might have ended South season single-handedly with his with his brain fart. Like he he's got obviously suspended for the rest of the year. He's a key piece in their side, and add that to Reynolds, you know, carrying some type of injury. I'm not sure on the extent of that, and it's not looking good for the bunnies. So, yeah, what did you what did you think about obviously Latrell Mitchell's shot on Joey Manu? I think it should have been a send off, just a straight a straight send off. Uh, the I think I think Trent Robertson's quotes in the in the press conference summed it up uh, quite well. I mean, the bunker this year is is, is a farce. We we saw that with the Trevojevic try. I know I know everyone um, will 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 love that being Trevojevic owners and and captaining him this week. But if we're looking at it from NRL standpoint, Trevojevic dropped, dropped that cold for his first try. Uh, Agree with Let, that. Latrell Mitchell it was it was a shoulder to the head. If if that was Jack Hetherington. He's he's sent without question, and no one denies it. Uh, look, I I just he he plays with so much aggression and and intent. It, it gets South on the front foot, but 
you have those brain snap moments and and um, and yeah, like I mean, you saw with the Thomas Flegler. Thomas Flegler got Sinbin from coming out of the line, clipping someone on the chin, and that was nowhere near as bad as Latrell, I, I think. And the fact that I think Trent, like I said, Trent Robinson hit the nail on the head that it wasn't pulled up until 30, 40 minute, seconds after. Yeah, it was nearly a minute after the play, and it took the player who had a you know a compressed face to go up and pretty much say, "Hey, what the f, man? Like you just dog shotted me." for them to actually stop play in this instant. And and like that goes down to the bunker, that goes down to the referee, but it also goes down to the Roosters trainer. The Roosters trainer, you know, should have had play stopped instantly in that instance and not let Mardu walk over there and instigate what would then pursue. I think Latrell is lucky that there was a bunch of rookies on the on the field, not someone like a, a Radley or a Jad or a Hardgraves, because I don't think he would have um, fared overly great coming out of that. But from a super coach standpoint, your own stocks in this Rabbitohs left-hand side, you're doing pretty well. AJ with his 125. Mark Nichols with a double with a 116. How good for the front rowers club. Jackson Paulo with a 112. Cody Walker with 107. He got blessed in updates. And and Latrell, yeah. Latrell didn't get punished because I I thought it was either or. I thought Latrell would either lose and Cody would gain. But they both held, I think. Cody finished the game on 81 and upgraded to 107. Latrell, I think, finished at 105 and went up to 106. Like yeah, when you when you have five tons in your in your side from a super coach standpoint, you're obviously going to do well, and uh, the margin reflected that. Uh, Jaden Sewell with a 77, Damien Cook with a 76, Cam Murray with a 70, Arrow with a 63. Plethora of guys going uh, well over 60 points. I th- I think the turning point, Latrell went off, and and the Roosters came back into that game. But Wayne Bennett chucked Adam Reynolds back out there, and that changed the whole the dynamic of the game for me. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. Um, oh, that that seriously, we that game had me so salty. I know I'm a Chooks fan, and you know sometimes you get a bit passionate, but it was it was that moment where Latrell scored and he threw the ball at Fletcher Baker's head. It really got to me because that for me was a very serious thing. Like he could seriously do damage to that bloke if that football hits him in the temples. Yeah, it's it's Latrell, it's the way he plays, and unfortunately, he's he's cost his side uh, his appearance for the rest of the year. As with Joey Manu, a depressed fracture of the of the of, is it is it the cheekbone or the eye socket? One of the two. Like the I think it's both. Yeah, it, it didn't look. It was like a cartoon, basically. Like you know how when when a cartoon character gets injured, it just balloons up out of nowhere. That's what it was with Manu. Like you saw him get hit, and he, he stood up, and nothing really sort of was there. And then the camera cut away for 15, 20 seconds, and the trainer was walking him off, and it was just a this big egg on his eye, and unfortunately for him, his season's done. He was having a good game. He was on 68 points, what he, it's what he finished up on. Uh, Sam Verrill, 79. Egan Butcher, if he can... If if someone like an Angus Crichton, if his judiciary record continues to be poor and he spends some uh, time away on the sideline, Egan Butcher's got a fantastic base. We didn't see the attacking upside that a, a lot of footy fans know he has, but he just churned out 70 points, all in base. Uh, fantastic, and yeah, as you said, much, much more productive than his brother. Yeah, 56 tackles, I will add. Um, Angus has probably only got one year. Um, chances are he's going to leave the Chooks after the season. I think he's going to leave the NRL. Um, so there will be an opening coming up in the near future. Um, we'll just have to see how they use Butcher next season. Uh, the Roosters got a few guys in and out um, over the summer. So, but yeah, his work rate is phenomenal. He's a really good player and he's only going to get better the more minutes that he starts. And I just love the kid. I can't wait to see more of him. This happens every year. Uh, CRC with Takiyaho starts off the season fantastically. We think how good the preseason moves have been fantastic. And then he falls off a cliff in the middle of the year and then he comes back home with a flurry and he looks like he was goal kicking over Sam Walker, which, uh, is is huge. I mean, we know we saw at the start of the Super Coach. I think he was averaging seventy on points, and when Kiri's back and Tedesco's there, they're going to be putting up thirty, thirty five points a game on average, and that's going to see to see what see what kick uh, more and more goals over Sam Walker. So if he can hold the goal kicking for next year, I think I'm going to I'm going to buy back into the trap again next year, mate. I did it this year. I think I'll I'll end up be I'll end up be stuck doing it next year. Uh, front row goal kicking cannot complain, but it might give Sam Walker uh, more time in the off season to work on that goal kicking. So we'll have to wait for trials next year to see what happens there. Uh, the next game, mate. This was surprisingly a, a pretty good game. <laughs> the Dragons and the Cowboys. The Cowboys came out after the second half, mate, and really turned it on. I think they put on three tries in the space of about six or seven minutes. I think it was four tries in eight minutes. Actually, they just blitzed it for. Just a really quick period, and they look like world beaters. And they're throwing it around like the Harlem Globetrotters, uh, Globetrotters, 
um, as well. And yeah, I actually really enjoyed the game. Um, I was a bit frustrated watching it because I own Jack Bird and I own Valentine Holmes. And there was a couple of decisions where the, the try assists and the line break assists went a little bit skew if to what I thought they would. And I thought I was going to get some points and I didn't. But outside of that, the it was an entertaining game. Sometimes these these lower teams, when they just have an absolute shootout of points and start throwing it around, is really entertaining to watch. And uh, in the in the preview, we said that the the Cowboys like a lot of points to the center wings and halves and fullbacks. We saw, I think we we both highlighted Michaeli Ravalawa and Zach Lomax to be pretty standouts for this game. Ninety for for Ravalawa and seventy five for Lomax. A lot of people are calling Ravalawa the sorry they're calling Sebo the Pomer Ravalawa. Some of those shots he put on, mate. You wouldn't want to run into him in a dark night. Tell you what, I hope he got some daily end points in the losing side because he did set save two tries with absolute monstrous shots. The one that he did on the, I can't remember who it was. It was it was one of the rookie kids. He was going to score his first try and Ravalawa has absolutely belted him about five metres from the try line. They were just great hits and it was good to see from um, McKaylee because, yes, sometimes he's a bit hot and cold as a player, but those shots reminded me of, um, oh God, what's his name? The set. Yeah, yeah, big yeah, big George Fuller. I mean, I know that I know that the popular online um, meme is to laugh at Ben Hunt, but in, in all realisticness, Ben Hunt's a fantastic footballer. And I would love to see Ben Hunt play seven and Jaden Sullivan play six next to him next next year. We saw him play hooker this game and, and really tore it up with with a ninety two. Maybe hooker's his position moving forward. Who knows? But um, he he played great. Tyrell Sloan played fantastic as well. He got ninety one. Uh, Jack Bird with a fifty. Blake Lowry with a forty nine. Not a whole lot to go off there. For the Cowboys, Tom Dearden gets his first win this year as a starting halfback. Also had a pretty good game as well for the Supercoach. 86 points for him. Uh, Scott Drinkwater as well. We keep touching on the Cowboys, mate. Every week we say we're not too sure how they're going to line up next year with, with Dearden and Townsend. I don't think you can leave Drinkwater out of this out of this side. I think the six jersey is his for the taking next year. Um, I think it'll be Dearden that gets the six next year. And I think Drinkwater will move to the bench. But I don't like didn't very much as a player myself and yes he played okay on the weekend but you know everyone has a good time good game from time to time um just going back you mentioned the um the dragons and sullivan most of the points against the dragons came when sullivan was off the park and then when he came back on the park they started scoring again um i really like him and i think like you said as a number nine i I think he's quite a good option for them. If they, if they can't get him on the park next year in a 6-7 type role, I can't see why he couldn't not play him at hooker. Yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting headache to have if you are uh, Hook Griffin. There's plenty of good youngsters coming through and it's not all doom and gloom to be a Dragons fan because you've got a lot of promising talent. As for the Cowboys, mate, who knows what's going to happen with this half scenario. I prefer the idea of having Chad at 7 and Drinkwater at 6 and then just, I don't know what you do with, with Din, but... Uh, Hamiso Tabgrafita at fullback. I really like the look of him. And I don't think it's a question of Valentin Mahomes' best position. I think we can all agree that it's it's a wing. But the problem is they've signed him on fullback money. So how do you get the best use out of him? Played him in the centers this week. 34, not ideal. Uh, Kyle Felt as well. Uh, I think he's a, a fantastic option to, to leave on one wing. So you could definitely run the idea of of Felt and Holmes on the wings. Uh, Reese Robson at nine. I like him a lot. I like Tamalolo in the front row. I also like Ruben Cotter at thirteen. So I think that's probably the way to go for the Cowboys. But it's it's that half scenario. It's a it's a doozy to work out, mate. Oh, absolutely. The bloke I was most impressed with was that Helium Lukey. I think that's his name. Helium. Um, I'm pretty sure it's either Helium Helium Lukey. Helium. Well, it's spelt Helium. So. <laughs> well, good old helium, because that's what I'm going to refer to him forever now. Um, he he's, was he's really he's damaging. Very he was he? good. Yeah, I was quite impressed with him because I haven't seen much of the Cowboys, so I hadn't really seen seen him before. But I was really impressed with the way that he was playing. So if he starts on an edge next year, I don't know what price he would come in at, but he could be one of those smoky type of mid range options that you can get and then make a bit of money out of next year. So I'll keep an eye on him actually. If he comes around at sort of 350, 360, definitely worth an option yeah, to, to pick those up. Those areas. Um, similar to a Jordan Ricky this year, probably a little bit more mm-hmm. expensive as well. Um, just in, yeah, as I said, like it's, I don't want to keep raving on about the Cowboys, but there, there is a lot of mouths to feed in terms of, I think, 
not so much players, but more egos to to feed. And I, as I said, I'm not a huge fan of the of the the Didden signing. We, we've covered that enough. And, and the Valentine Holmes scenario, I like uh, Hameso at fullback. I think that's his thriving position. If he works on his ball playing, I think he could be very damaging with the speed he's got. It's just it, you, you, what, what do you do with Valentine Holmes, mate? Um, the sh- the Sharks twenty four, the Broncos sixteen. The Broncos put up a fight in this one. The Sharks just probably uh, a little bit too much class across the pitch. Braden Trindle. Back to back good games, eighty points for him. Sonny Katoa with a seventy nine, Jesse Raymond with a seventy eight, Will Kendi with a sixty seven, Aiden Tomlin sixty six, Britton Nakora sixty three. Pretty clockwork here from the Sharks. Um, there was parts of the game that they can definitely challenge some of these better sides on their day, but probably a little bit inconsistent to, to really make some kind of finals push late in September. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think they'll be pushing very far, but. Again, this was another one of those games that was quite entertaining to watch. Um, Trindle's really good. He he must have that slot nailed for next year. He's he's very impressive. Like he doesn't get the raps that Yash Taylors and these blokes used to get when they were coming through. But I think he's a better player based on what I've seen at the moment. And um, for the Broncos, I quite liked their spine combination. I thought the Broncos were a much improved side. Payne Haas is just. Payne Haas with more minutes and more role since the guys got injured. He has been dominating. Like, he looks like he's going to punch a hole every single time he gets that ball. Um, Milford, first time I've seen Milford play with consistency in years and years and years. Um, Neil, we we've always... We say consistency, it's been two weeks. Now, I think that says a lot about where Milf's career is at, doesn't it? And where the Broncos have been at for the last few years as well. But yeah, Tessie... Tessie Neo, he's starting to show some signs at fullback really quick as well. Um, and Albert Kelly, like Albert Kelly was good years back when he played for the Titans, um, but he was always a bit up and down as a player. And I think he's been playing with a fair deal of consistency. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who gets the the spot next year beside Reynolds. Because uh, I know they're talking about Stags, but I don't think Stags is a 5'8". I don't think that'll work. No, you, the way to play Stags is... You say everyone clear out, give him the ball, and just let him go because that that's his 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 deal. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, because yeah, Milford's departing, going to the Rabbitohs apparently. Um, if he plays in the halves with Walker, God, are we going to get sucked into to the Milford again after a couple of good performances? We'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Testing you at fullback, if he can somehow retain dual eligibility to play in the center wings, could be another option to to look at as well. Payne Haas, as we said, just looks like he's going to burst a hole through every run that he takes. And him and, and Adam Fennell Blake, the two standout front rowers, I feel, um, like genuine front rowers for, for Supercoach. And we have not much budget to work with next year, but we have a lot of players to fit in. So we have to work out if we go these premium front row options as sort of set and forget options, uh, or we go the cheap route that we did this year and, and hope someone emerges. Uh, going back to the Sharks, mate, you said that we're not too sure who's going to pair up in the halves. I think this is another good issue to have. You're going to have Hines come through the door. You've got Metcalf, you've got Moylan, you've got Trindle. There's there's four names there that need to fit into two positions. Ideally for me, I'd like to see Trindle and Hines with Metcalf at 14 and, and Kennedy off the bench. But you can definitely make arguments for all these guys as well. Like Even someone like Connor Tracy could slot back into the halves and do a job. And uh, yeah, Luke Metcalf, obviously super coach wise, not the best game. And he's going 18 points, but the talent's there to see, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, Will Kennedy's not he's not moving from fullback. Even though I think Hines's best spot is fullback. I I don't think they'll move Will Kennedy. Trendle's got the 7, you know, that's that's his whether numbers on backs doesn't matter, 6 7. He's one of the halves for next year. I'd say Hines will partner uh Will Kennedy at fullback and then nine's obviously Brayley. So, yeah, he'll um he'll probably end up Playing in the fourteen role, uh, Connor Tracy maybe stays center or wing, a little bit like Burton this season if they want to keep. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Also got um, Cam McInnes as well, so you could rotate between 9, 13, however you want to use Metcalf. If you want to bring Braley off and have McInnes move into 9, have him sort of roaming around the edge, who knows? But, mate, the Storm, the streak's done. Uh, the Eels get the Chockeys 22 to 10. I think this makes the Storm even more threatening, to be honest. Yeah, that's the upset of the season. I don't care what anyone says. Um, Parramatta played really good football. I was really surprised. I, I think in the it, the Storm as well played bad football. Uh, they made a lot of errors and they they just lacked a little bit of cohesion. And, and it's been coming. Like The gap's been closing for about a month now. So I'm not shocked to see them lose. But I honestly had put a line through the Eels as any type of contender. I thought thought the Eels had gotten soft and that, you know, I think I said to you off air that I thought Melbourne had put 30, 40 points on them and that certainly wasn't the case. Um, and, yeah, respect to the Eels. Like, they, they broke the streak, um, which I'm happy about because this Melbourne Storm side doesn't touch the 75 Roosters side. Um, so I'm happy that they only equaled it. Got to add that, of course. Of course. Um, you have to, have to get the jab in there. <laughs> I do have to get the jab in there. Um but it was a good game of football to watch. Like it wasn't never really over until there was about three or four minutes to go. You always sat there and went, okay, when are the storm going to score? And when are they going to equal it? And when are we going to golden point? That's what I was thinking watching it. And it was, um, it was an interesting game. Pappenhausen, you know, I talked him up and said that he's back. Well, he wasn't back this game. He looked timid again. Um, Super coach wise, Super coach wise, he's back. He scored seventy one points in a in a side that he put up ten. But I know what you mean. There was, there was so much talk getting around uh, how stifled the, the Melbourne attack looks with with Pappenhausen at one compared to Hines. Yeah, and the other thing too was like I've been talking Harry Green up for the last month. He had a shocker. He had a really bad game. It's one of the first times I've actually seen him play a bad game too. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. I think it, credit to Parramatta. Like I think Parramatta played. Some of the best footy they can play, and they got the storm on a bad day. But as I said at the start of this of this game recap, mate, I think this makes the storm even more threatening come finals footy. Oh, 100%. percent. Uh, if I was a storm fan, I'd be happy we lost that game because they always say that there's a loss that you need to have if you're going to win the comp. Uh, ask Penrith. Penrith didn't get that loss last year and lost their streak on grand final day. So I think the storm are probably quietly happy that they got that loss, as long as they don't get you know, stuffed up by the judiciary because they do have quite a few players on report. I think they've got about four players, I think, that got cited. So uh, provided that, that that doesn't happen, I think the Storm will be secretly happy about the loss. Before we break down the Supercoach scores for the game, we obviously have Josh Adokar departing with Xavier Coates coming through the door. It's going to open up another another wing spot. And you've got a couple of names there where to, where to pitch in. There's There's been times where uh, Dean Aramea has slotted in, uh, George Jennings as well. But Isaac Lemu-Lemu, he looks very much, not because they look the same, but just the way they play. He looks very similar to a, a Vunavalu. Yeah, I was really impressed with him. I, th- I think he he needs more time in the top grade to learn the disciplines that he needs to play for the Storm. But in terms of pure raw skill, he's the most talented right winger they've got. Yeah, and, and if he can be nurtured during the, during the offseason, he's just a big body. And I think Bellamy likes those big bodies we've seen in prior years. You've got Corabetti. Uh, Vunavalo, as we mentioned, and, and now Lemu Lemu. I think George Jennings has too many errors in his game, and Dean Aramea maybe just not have the class to, to go to that next level. And yeah, if if uh, Lemu Lemu can can develop in the off season, then I think he'll be a genuine option to have next year. It'll be one of those guys that we know that you take the rocks or diamonds with. But outside of Jerome Hughes, if he can t- continue the form that he played this year, he'll be a, a very very good option. As we touched on, mate, he got a 79. Uh, Lemu Lemu, Cam Munster also got a 74. Cam Munster, he just continues to to do this. Like, you watch the game and he does sweet FA and pumps out scores because he takes the line on, he makes a lot of tackles, he's always in and around the, the ruck, he just loves to get involved. And, yeah, if if we're worried about Adam Reynolds next year and his impact that is leaving the Rabbitohs, I can see a world where the consistency of Munster overtakes the ceiling of Walker. Possibly. The thing about Munster is he's got great B plus P, um, which is base plus power. So that's his that's his tackles, his offloads, his hit ups, um, and his tackle busts. 
and he consistently hits those marks every week. So even if he doesn't get the try assists or the tries, which is the games that he does push 100 or go 100 plus, he still seems to fall into that 60 to 75 bracket because he has so many of them. I think he had like eight tackle busts on the weekend so and he had multiple offloads and it just pushes the, pushes his numbers up into really consistent, solid scores. He's one of those blokes, I play him every week. And I, I know he's, gen, on the weeks that he goes well, I'm going to go probably get green arrows, but on the weeks that he doesn't go well, he's not going to hinder me at all. And I like that about him. No, you're not going to lose sleep over a guy that gets you 75 points every game uh, with, with the ceiling that Monster has. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, 71 Although it didn't look fantastic in the game, that's all you, you don't need that from Supercoach. You just want the guys to pump out the scores. Remus 667, Jerome Hughes 65, Christian Welch 63. As someone that owns well, that owned Welch in draft, the draft's over now. But I've, I've been so impressed with with him, especially his first in. He, he's generally playing about 30 minutes, putting out 40 to 45 points in that first in, and then comes on the second in and sort of opens up the field more for the the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Brandon Smith, 62. This is the Brandon Smith that, that I want playing 13, the one with, with a good 60 base. We know that the ceiling he has. It's just when he plays hooker for 80 minutes, it just without the tries, he just doesn't seem to, to go fantastic. We saw that at the start of the year. I'm not too sure if you remember, mate, but when, when Harry Grant was out, there was so much hype around the cheese to play nine. And I think he had a couple of mid-30 scores without the tries, but him at, him at lock, more chances to run the balls, more chances to make tackles. If he can hold in the 13, 13 roll next year, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, much better base at lock from Melbourne's perspective, but I think he's better off starting nine and then moving to lock. They look like a better side when when he does do that. But yeah, when he plays lock, he's got an outstanding base. And the thing with Smith is he's always a chance at a try. Like I think he scored eight out of nine games at one stage this year. So um, if named at lock next year, that'll be a very interesting one. Uh, on Christian Welch, He's a he's a fantastic player now. I remember when he was selected for Origin at first, I was like, really? Uh, this was going back a few years, but he's just developed so much as a player and he's an absolute bloody legend online too, giving it to Peter Volandis about his rule changes. I did I did say that. Yeah, he, yeah. Christian Welch is very much one of the people, I feel, just the way he conducts himself. And that's, that's all you can ask for from a player. I don't think you'd ever see Welch get into too much drama off the field. Uh, can't wait! Yeah. Can't wait for the off season when he does something stupid and people clip that up. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ado Car, mate, he got fifty without a try. You'll take that. Of course, you will. Unfortunately, the Storm won't take his hamstring injury. It looks like he's going to be out for about two weeks at, at least. We'd see. We obviously saw him go off midway through the game, which was not ideal. But fifty points without uh, a try is, is never a bad thing for the Eels. As a Roosters fan, mate, who has a couple of wingers departing the club, Fergo, Fergo, back to back to Bondi. Uh, I'd welcome him back, no problems whatsoever. I can't believe that he hasn't had a spot all season, well, most of this season uh, with Parramatta. So I'd certainly welcome him back. I like the experience that he would bring. Uh, I don't think there is a spot for him next year fully fit, but I think we've learned over the last couple of years that the Roosters struggle to keep them fully fit. So Fergo, if you want to come back, you're welcome, brother. So I think Parramatta, they've opted not to re-sign him and they're moving towards Hayes Dunster, who also pumped out an 82 on the weekend. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i back, question mark? Uh, he certainly had much more involvement. His base went through the roof um, on the weekend. and I don't know if that was simply because Parramatta stepped up and he stepped up as a forward leader and therefore his base increased. But I watched the game closely and he was involved in everything. If if the Storm were trying anything, bang, Papali'i was there saying, no, not today. Not today, no. Uh, Gutho, 71. Joey Lussick, 70. Nathan Brown, 67. Rounds out the better scores for Parramatta. But this is more of a team performance. Uh, I feel like they, they clicked well as a unit and, and to beat Melbourne, no matter how bad they play, it's always something to watch up. And they beat them twice this year, mate. I beat them four out of the last five, actually. Oh, but they, yes, they are, they are the bogey side. Yeah. I think uh, I think the the run started with the week after Parramatta and ended at the hands of Parramatta. So Brad Arthur, uh, yeah, the the coach killer. He's he's worked wonders, mate. The Seagulls thirty six, the Bulldogs eighteen. This was a a pretty nervous first half for for a lot of owners. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, so I had the captain on Turbo, so I was not very happy at halftime. Um, but Turbo did what Turbo does uh, in the second half. I thought the game was a bit of a bludger of a game. Um, respect to the Bulldogs, they really showed up and they played a much better brand of footy this week. 
Um, and the Eagles, they'd never really clicked into gear, I thought. Um, I thought maybe maybe they took the Bulldogs a little bit for granted. Um, and then I think, I can't remember, I think they were down by two points at half time. Um, and then clicked into gear. Tom got his dodgy first try, which was a blatant knock-on. If that was any other player, I reckon the super coach. if that was like some random, if that was like Matt Dufty, like I reckon the Civic Coach world would explode, but because it's turbo, everyone everyone laughs and chuckles. But it, it's not a good look for the game. Yeah, I was pretty tense on Saturday afternoon, so I was screaming at the screen at this point um, with some nice foul language. And then it came up try confirmed, and I was like, "What?" I couldn't believe it. I wasn't <laughs> complaining, but oh, but I got to tell you, Olakawatu, I love that dude. He is the best edge back row I've seen come through this year in terms of rookies. Um, Daly Cherry Evans is biting me week in and week out because I nearly got Cherry, but I didn't because he didn't blow the second bye. Um, and that one's hurt me. Um, Saab is, Saab's a good winger. He's, he's a lazy winger, but God, it's good to watch him in full flight. And, um, I was really impressed with Dylan Walker too. I know I said last week that I thought he might really expose the middle, one of the best games I've seen Dylan Walker play. I thought he was probably, if you take out Turbo, obviously getting a hat trick. I thought he was probably one of their best players on the park. Yeah, as 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 we, we touched on Dylan Walker in the sort of that cheapy category a couple of weeks ago, it was hard to pull the trigger on him, but he can pump out sort of a sixty-ish score. On Turbo, the the three tries after halftime blew blew the game open, and the thirty-six to eighteen. With the, I don't think the, the Bulldogs were ever a chance of winning, no matter what the scoreline said. I, you always think Manly with Trevojevic are going to just do something. And with the with the the last Australian seven that was named in Cherry Evans, there is quality there. Kieran Foran with a seven yet as well. Like They've got quality on both edges. Uh, Hamwa Ola Kawatu through the middle. Like There's just so much strike power. I didn't fancy the Bulldogs getting the job done, but it, they definitely hung in there. Uh, Ruben Garrick, a lot of people went pod. A lot of people captained Garrick this week and... I say only got a 69, he didn't get a try, so you, you'll take that all day long. But yeah, Turbo stole the headlights here, the headlines this this, this week with a 170. Uh, just He continues to do this, and he's going to finish with an average well over 140 and blows Tedesco out of the water last year that, that averaged, I think it was 95 or something ridiculous like that. Uh, for the Bulldogs, mate, Josh Jackson. No Luke Thompson, Josh Jackson scores well. 96 for him, fantastic. No one else got above 60, unfortunately, for them, though, and I think that's... The issue that they don't have that that spark, that X factor, and uh, mentioned this to a couple of the boys that I understand that the Bulldogs don't have that much quality, but you can see that they, they offer nothing in attack. It's just block play after block play after block play. And I think Barrett is getting, I say getting exposed. I think people are now sort of realizing that maybe he wasn't the brains behind the Panthers' success. No, I think a lot of people like to slap down Ivan Cleary and say that the Penrith were only succeeding because of Barrett, which I just think is rubbish because Penrith was succeeding the first time around with Ivan Cleary as well until whatever happened with Gus Gould and whatnot. I think you I, are right. I think a lot of Panthers fans contribute the success to is, is it Cameron Salcedo? Uh, I'm, I'm probably, Seraldo. Seraldo. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of Pan, like Panthers fans that are in the know, uh, I think they, they credit him way more than they credit Barrett. I think it's pretty clear to see why. Yeah, but you are right. And one thing I watch as a football fan and as a super coach fan is, and you'll hear me talk about this over time, is structure. And the better sides have structure. Melbourne's structure went away last week and they got in each other's way. And I think that's why they lost. Their structure fell apart. They've still got all the talent on the park, but if you don't have structure to run your plays properly, then you're not going to score the points. And that's something that Manly, when attacking, do really well. So Manly changed their structure this week. And Manly started targeting inside balls. Instead of spreading wide to the left, they kept going inside to the right. And it exposed the Bulldogs because I think two, if not three, of Tom's tries were all back on the inside. And they haven't been running that play all year. But it's obviously something from a structure point of view that they've exposed in the Bulldogs. And then they've targeted and executed that this week. And the Bulldogs play, they don't have that same line. And you can see it. They, they're they all over the place. There is no set line. They play all together, almost like when you watch under sixes. Um, and that's, I'm not, I don't mean that in a real mean, negative way towards the Bulldogs, but they lack that structure and they're all just kind of there going, no, you do it, you create it. Over time, if they can create that structure and get better week to week, 
that I think they've got the talent. I just think they need to learn how to use that talent. I think if people go back and watch that game as well, the Bulldogs' right defense, uh, the side that Garrick was up against, was def- defending in an umbrella formation. Uh, so the winger was up and in, uh, even without the ball swinging out. So you'll see a lot of defenders, like a lot of opposition defenders, jump in and, and, and jam the center to stop that play. But they were doing that. Like, I think it was Ockenball. He was in. He was giving Garrick the touchline, and he was just targeting Harper, uh, Brad Parker before the ball even came out. So, yeah, uh, Manly countered that by coming inside. You talk about structure a lot, mate. I know it's a cliche saying, but you also talk about the term eyes up footy. And it's all well and good for the Bulldogs to run a set play after set play after set play. But when you've got a guy, sorry, when you've got a guy like Turbo that can just change that, like he can override the play and just cut back and, and it, rather than him running out the back, he can he can just take the ball in his hands and change something if he sees something. I just I don't think the Bulldogs have that, and I think Burton will be a good addition for that. We've seen Burton play in the halves this year for the Panthers. That when it's not on, Burton will just chuck a left foot step and go himself. I think that'll help them a lot as well next year, and hopefully they can find something because they are developing a good roster. They're developing a forward pack who should get them on the front foot, which will allow their the premium backs to uh, to round up. The last game, mate, for the round, Panthers 30, Tigers 16. I think the scoreline flatters the Tigers a little bit here. The Panthers sort of switched off at the end. Yeah, uh, Penrith were always in control, but Penrith at the same time weren't their clinical best. I, I think, I don't know how clear he got a 100 super coach points. He had a poor game. He dropped the ball three or four times. He, he kicked the ball unusually dead quite a few times. And how he got 100 is beyond me, but he is the unicorn king, so I won't argue it. Um, the Tigers, I think the Tigers lack halves that can... The Tigers lack a lot, mate. They do, but they've actually got quite a few players. Like, Utakamanu is a really good prop and a really underrated player. Um, and he doesn't get much credit. Like, if you watch the tele- telecasts of the Tigers games, you virtually, unless he's scoring a try, they don't talk about him. They, they're always talking about certain players. And they've got quite a few good players. Sean Bloor's a good player. Jake Sinkman's a good player. Uh, Leilua, Lucy, of the Lucy version, he's a good player as well. And he's had a really good season. It's just they lack the key pieces to really take that side to the next level. Um, whether or, Matt, or not Madge is their long-term coach, I don't know. Uh, because Madge is not particularly a really defensive coach. And I think the Tigers need to start attacking with their defense. I think if they learn how to protect their own line, their attack will be able to play off the back of that. But they need to find a seven. It's not Luke Brooks. I think Madge was a very good defensive coach 10 years ago. Uh, I think with the way the game's changed, he may not be adjusting as well. I think what the Tigers do lack, and if if I could have the ideal signings, uh, I would sign two very, very good defensive centers, two, two guys that know how to read the play well, because I like the strike that uh, Norfoluma and Ken Mamalo bring. I like that they both can, can hit the ball up quite well. They can take a lot of stress off the forwards, but we know both those guys defensively aren't, aren't the best. If you can get... This is Rogue, because I know he's moved to the back row, but someone like Ewan Aiken, um, he's a very good defensive center doesn't pass the ball much, so you're probably going to lose a bit. So you could just run block plays that, that don't have Aiken touching the ball um, much. But just, just, I don't know, just someone that, that can defend that center spot well. It doesn't make rash decisions. Uh, Alex Twile, I think he's just a, as much of a cult hero he is, he's very meat and potatoes. He'll just, he'll do his hit-ups, make his tackles, not much else. Your strike comes from you guys, like your your Utokemanus, your Luciano Lewis, uh, Blor as well. Like your, your strike comes from those guys. Whereas someone like a Luke Garner, uh, who was playing in the back row before Bloor took over, was very much just a line runner, make his tackles, repeat. Uh, Thomas McKayley as well, another one. Uh, I think he needs to work out what's happening with this hooker rotation between Simkin and Little. I think it's that they both play different styles of footy. So to have one of them come off midway through the game and have another one come on, I think stifles the halves. Even though Luke Brooks, my, my reservations around him, it's, it's tough for him having a hooker that likes to run the ball compared to someone that likes to pass. He doesn't know sort of what's happening. I don't think Luke Brooks has the the aura to, to command the ball when he needs to. Uh, Adam Dewey is a fantastic ball runner, uh, ball playing, not, not his strongest point, but a good ball runner nonetheless. So, yeah, I think some recruitment has to get done. Jackson Hastings coming through the door next year as well. Uh, I think we're getting, is it 
Oliver Gerhardt, I think that's his name coming from the Super League next year, meant to be a pretty decent centre for the Super League. So hopefully he can come in and provide some kind of defensive uh, focus. It's, it's, I think it's the same old, same old for the, for the Tigers, though. Um, lacking some quality along the park, but just ha- has enough on the park to not be embarrassed week in, week out. And I, I just The gap between 8th and the Tigers, I think, is just is quite a, a fair way away. You look at the Sharks and look at the develop, developers. Man, like, let's say the Sharks are the 8th best side in the comp. You look at the developers they're making with recruitment and coaching staff and whatnot and who they're attracting and compared to what the Tigers do. So that, there was my little Tigers rant. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a tough season. It's a tough times being a Tigers fan, mate. Yeah, well, at least you didn't finish ninth. But sorry, mate, ninth <laughs> is good. That means we're the best of the rest. So I don't, I'll take that. The, the premiers that weren't. Um, but yeah, you, what you said is right. I if you can get your if you can get those defensive centers, it will really mask the what you said about Norfolk and um, the Warriors, Blake, because they've they've both come a long way. Um, the problem is, is that your centers, as you said, don't slide. Like if you watch Olam and, um, the, what's his name? Uh, Yeah. They jam. Yeah. They jam. And then they slide when the teams try and go around them, they slide and they go with it. And then if you, a key one is if you watch, I think the Eels first try on the weekend, Olam ran into Munster as they were trying to slide and it created the hole, but it opened, it showed you clearly how they defend. They jam in and then they slide out and they do it so well that teams can't crack them. If your centers can start doing that, it the what Nofaluma and Mamalo do won't be as big an issue. Because their their attack is brilliant. Like Mamalo has really impressed me. He's playing some of the best footy I've seen in a couple of years. Well, and that's the goal. thing, I don't I don't think you 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 get rid of them. You you take the attacking upside that, that both those guys have, but you have to work around that. And the Tiger centers do jam, but they don't slide. So therefore, you're leaving Mamalo and Northland are exposed. And when they see that, like both those guys are not fantastic defensive centers. When they when they see their inside man jam, like your actual reaction is to be like, oh shit, let's follow. And therefore, it's a two on none on the outside, and it just makes the wingers look bad. When in reality, I think it's it's more of a center issue. Yeah, the center's exposing the winger, but the winger's taking the fall. Also, Luciano isn't the, the greatest defensive back row either. He he possesses more attacking upside, so. There is yeah. there is plenty to unpack. I mean, for, for the Panthers, William kick out twenty one, at uh, one twenty one. Sorry, that as probably, I'd say probably it's all but certain that, that that's propelled Timmy, uh, the coach of the Villiamis, into first place and and won't be caught. I think he's four hundred points clear heading into the final round and a fantastic pod move in, in kick out clearly a hundred. I think he got given the updates for the for the Jerome Luai try. Uh, he didn't get anything when it happened, and then oh, I think recounts got him up there a bit. Uh, Brian Toto, what a week for him to come back. 94 with a try, but also just relentless run meters as well. How good is Brian Toto? Seriously. The base on that guy, and I actually thought he scored that first one. I didn't think there was proof that he put his foot out. Um, So he could have, like, if he gets that, you add on about 33 points probably because he effectively gets a tackle bust and a run for it as well. And he suddenly he comes back. He would have been coming back and scoring one twenty five, one thirty points. It's just insane. And then, you know, even if you take out his try, he still scored sixty four points in pretty much, you know, B and P, which is amazing. Really happy to see Tevita Pengai uh, score a try. Uh, as, oh yeah. You know, as, as a Tigers fan, it sucks to see him score into the post and some pretty piss for defense there. But just from an NRL fan, seeing what he's gone through, it's, it's really good to see him him bounce back and find a place in this Panthers side. I think. Ivan Cleary is using him well in short, sharp bursts. Moses yep. Leota with the speed of a fullback to absolutely burst through the middle to, to get on the end of that kick from Cleary. He just he flew from no, nowhere. Yeah, so it certainly took me by surprise, that one. And it was similar with Uta Kamano's try too. It was like the most unlikely of blokes following up the play, two big props, getting the first two tries of the game, I think it was. It was fantastic. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't be a bad return if you had the uh, the old school doubles at, at the ground, mate. Um, for the Tigers, we mentioned Big Big Stefano, eighty three, Alex Twal, seventy two, Jacob Little, sixty two, Ken Mamalo, sixty. That's sort of about it for them, um, mate. We'll touch on the award show probably middle of next week after the season's over. But in the category of Supercoach Dud of the Year, David Norvaluma's name was thrown up, and and he was given the nomination and just overperformed last year with Benji Marshall at the helm. And I think with uh, not as good as a ball playing half as Benji Marshall, he's really been found out. The base is just not there. 
or it is there, but the what we know of him is just not not the same. Yeah, I'll have to have a look who the nominees are. I think um, I think I saw Tino Fasul Malali's name on there. He, and he's, he's on there. So I, it's basically I'm, the way the way that I did it was I I put an open poll out. Give me all your names, and then I took the, the four most popular names and compiled them into a poll. And, and for Dud of the Year was Charlie Staines, David Northaluma, Tino Fatasumalawi, and I can't remember who the other one was, but um, someone, yeah. Oh, Jason Tamalolo as well, yeah. So, yeah, you, okay. you, your your boy Tino got a mention. Yeah, no, that's a that's a G up. That is an absolute G up. He's had a pretty good season. I don't uh, people, oh, people need to you know. He didn't level themselves. I'll, I'll, I'll give, he was never you, going to average eighty this year. I'll give I don't you a know hot tip. He didn't. Before. He didn't win Dud of the Year. Good. I'm glad because I was going to have to absolutely bruise. He loses it if you did that because I've held him all year. He's been a pretty decent plug. He's done he's pretty been, much I think what he's I thought. Just been a little bit underwhelming for what people had hyped coming out of a Melbourne. That's the problem. Coming out of a people Melbourne thought, system. Oh, yeah. Oh no, he's going to the Titans. He's going to get you know eighty minutes a game. He's going to average eighty points. How good? Never, never going to happen. Mitch Rain is also not Cameron Smith as well. Yeah, exactly. Right, but mate, looking forward to that show. Yeah, I'm, I'm very keen for the award show. We'll we'll cover uh, our best positions for each thing. We'll also give our spin on the fan voted award shows. But there's plenty to come up. We've got one more preview left. We've got one more roundup left. One more award show. And then we'll hang the mic up for the year. And uh, who knows? Mate, maybe we'll get you back next year. Looking forward to it, guys. That is going to be the round 24 roundup. If you got through to the grand final, well done. If you've been out for Supercoach and this is the last podcast you listen to. Uh, I want to thank you all so much for, for getting behind me, the podcast. And, and there's going to be big, big changes next year. And there's a lot of uh, things I'm really excited to be working on next year. Um, if if Brew comes on, if he wants to come on next year, awesome. Uh, we're, we're going to ramp things up all the more. And I think, uh, I, I don't think I can go any worse this year than what I did last year, mate. Oh, sorry. I don't think I can go any worse next year than what I did this year, mate. Well, on the flip side, I don't know if I can go as good next year. So next year, we're going to have some good bands if I am. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Back. No worries. As I said, guys, thank you very much for listening. As always, keep your friends close and keep those pods closer.